I'm going to do something this morning that I haven't, uh, I've never done really. And I'm going to use a lot of notes, some of them are mine. Uh, I got some ideas from, from another uh, minister in another country a little bit. But uh, I think it's pretty uh, needful at the time we're living in, the time on the calendar that we're in. Um, a lot of people say, well, we don't have to pay any attention to the world and what's going on in the world. We better pay some attention to what's going on in the world because our salvation is riding on it. And uh, we'd better wake up and realize who we are, where we are, and what's going on in this nation that we're living in today. And on the planet, the entire planet, uh, realize that. But uh, I'll read more than I normally read. I want to get to something before I get through, and I'll go to the Bible uh, for that. But uh, in only uh, just a few months, the modern state of Israel will turn 70 years old. Now, I want to talk to you this morning, this morning for a few moments on Israel and the church. You say, that does not tie. You can't split them apart. You can't get Israel away from the church, and you can't get the church away from Israel. So you might as well shape up like that, whatever or not. If you don't like the Jews and you don't like Israel this morning, then you've got a problem. And you've got a problem, a big problem, because they are more in this thing than we realize they are, and I hope to prove that uh, in the next few minutes if I can. Stay the root. They'll turn 70 years old on May the 14th in fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Israel did not what no other group has ever done before in the history of the universe. They were scattered among all nations. This nation was split up and scattered among all nations for over 1,900 years, but she was reborn as a national entity in her original homeland. They all came back home. I walked in a store in Lynchburg several years ago, back, uh, if I was probably Chris's age back here, uh, on, a, on a Monday morning, a young man walked in this store, and it was a Jewish store. I didn't really realize that when I walked in. I didn't have sense enough to look at the name on it, you know, because Jews have certain surnames, like Murphy's are Irish. Of course, most Murphy's uh, drink a lot of liquor and are Catholic, and I, I blew that one. But uh, anyway, I walked in this store, and he had some beautiful ties and shirts and all this, and I picked up one of the ties and was looking at it, and I laid it back down, after a while, I started to walk out the door. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You haven't bought anything. I said, uh, no, I, I'm not. I'm just looking today. No, no, you got to buy something. He, he kept me there and talked to me until I bought from him because they have the idea they got to sell you something on, Sunday, on Monday morning when they open that store. The first customer in there has to buy something. So if you don't want to buy anything, stay out of the Jewish stores on Monday morning early. So I bought a tie and walked out with it. And uh, I found out then that I got to talking to him, and I asked him a few questions. I said, you're Jewish. I said, uh, something about America and so forth. He said, oh, he said, I'm here right now, but he said, I'm saving up my money, and I'm sending it all back to my homeland. He said, I'm going back as soon as I can. And I said, you're going to leave America and go back to, to Israel? He said, yes. He said, there's something inside of me that's drawing me back. 
What do you reckon it was? There's something inside that pulled them back to their homeland. And let me tell you, there ought to be something inside of us that's pulling us to Christ Jesus this morning because He is our salvation and all we have to depend on. In light of what I just said, I'd like to share some notes I have here. I believe it's a very dangerous movement spreading within some of our Bible-believing churches and within the minds of many Christians today. I'm concerned about the shifted attitudes towards the Jewish people. More and more, I see some Christians drifting toward the idea that Israel and the nation of Israel has become irrelevant to their Christian experience. With Israel holding little or no place of importance in their churches and playing no significant role in God's plan for planet earth. Sadly, there's a growing number of voices, people who call themselves Christians, who go beyond indifference toward Israel and cross a line into personal contempt and sought outright hostility toward the Jewish state. Many abide the idea that Israel and the Jewish people have lost their chosen status and have been replaced and all of the, the, the promises have been redirected to the church. Now you want me to go through that again? Someone be looking at me like I fell off of the turnip truck. There's people today that believe that all of Israel's part in the program of finishing up, and this is a Christian belief called, known as the replacement theology or supersession. It is a group of Christians that are saying that Israel no longer has any place in Christianity and that she's pulled out and all authority is turned over to the church. Now, we would like to feel like that we are all that important, but I've got some news for you this morning. We are the least important of the two. This teaching is absolutely wrong and nothing could be further from the truth. The truth which is largely misunderstood is that God brought Israel into existence, not for Israel alone, but that through her seed the Gentile nations of the world could be delivered from pagan idolatry and the kingdom of Satan. It is the unconditional covenant God made with Abraham. He said to the patriarch, In thy seed, in Christ talking about Christ, shall all the nations or Gentile nations of the earth be blessed. In Genesis 22:18, and speaking about the seed of the woman. Through that seed, Gentiles from every kindred, tongue, and tribe could experience redemption. To the Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus said, Ye worship, ye know not what you know. We worship. What we worship for salvation is of the Jews. The Old Testament is nothing more and less than the account of Israel travailing to give birth to the Messiah, to the seed of the woman after the surrounding pagan nations under Satan were unwillingly being used to keep that seed from being born. They did all they could to keep this from happening in this earth. Even King Herod tried his best to kill him, but he was that person that was to be born. And I can tell you, and I can tell Wayne Murphy this morning, there's nothing I can do, nothing you can do that will stop the program of God. This thing is on track. It's on schedule. It's going in. We're going up to meet the Lord in the air one of these days, and I'm thankful this morning. Praise God that I can be a part of it. I have the blessed assurance that I know that everything is all right. Everything is all right. 
God said to Abraham, those that bless thee I will bless. Those that curse thee I will curse. Throughout Israel's history, the Egyptians, Assyrians, Babylonians, Medo-Persians, Greeks, and Romans had two goals in common, either to totally assimilate the Jews in their pagan idolatrous cultures or annihilate them. If at any time during the Old Testament the Jewish race could have been destroyed, the seed of the woman could not have been born, and all men and women throughout the world would be died in their sins without hope of redemption. Can you imagine that this morning? But in the fullness of time, the promised seed would come and would grow to be a man. In the sovereign plan of God, however, the nation which birthed him would reject his claims of being the Messiah. They were focused on a victorious lion and totally missed the suffering lamb. As the lamb of God, Jesus was nailed to a cross. The seed was slain. The battle was over and Satan was certain. He had checkmated God. There must have been great celebration in the dark places of the universe. But God was not to be outdone. On the third day, God raised his son from the grave. Jesus was gloriously alive. I'm thankful this morning that he's alive and well. He's not sick. He's not hurting. He's okay. Satan was defeated at Calvary by the Lamb of God. He who was without sin became sin for us on the cross, and God's righteousness was satisfied. Somewhere in a song this morning, he bled red for us, but we came out white as, as snow. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the sanctifying power of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's still alive today, and it needs to be a part of every Christian life this morning. Sanctification is still in the Bible, whether we preach it or not. Satan has tried in the year A.D. 73, Roman legions defeated the Jewish nation, destroyed the temple in Mount Moriah, and scattered Jewish people across the face of the earth. During the worldwide dispersion of Jews over the past 2,000 years, Satan believed he could still win if the Jews could be wiped out through intermarriage among people with whom they dwelt or were annihilated by wicked nations. How could destroying the Jewish nation give Satan the victory, you might ask? Let me tell you something. Jesus will not return as an illegal upserpter of his future kingdom. He will return as the real thing. He will not be an imposter. He will not be somebody that we can't believe in. But I can tell you right now, I believe with all of my heart, when we look on the face of Jesus, we're going to say every trial was worth it. Every sickness was worth it. Everything I went through was worth it because the face of Jesus is going to be enough to let us know that this is what we are working for and who redeemed us, who bought me on Calvary that I might be a child of His and might be forgiven of my sins. Jesus will not return like that. The future kingdom over which he will rule and reign will be rightfully his to claim. He will return. He will return as the lion of the tribe of Judah, the legitimate heir to the throne of King David that we talk about every Christmas and sing about. For that to occur, there must be a physical people, the Jews, an actual land, Israel, and a genuine capital, Jerusalem, 
In other words, if Satan at any time could have destroyed the people, the nation, then Jesus would have no land and no people over which to reign as king besides the church. Brother Willie, am I halfway on track? I need help this morning. I tell you, I'm getting some hard looks. If you, if you are an enemy of the Jews, you are siding with Adolf Hitler. Just put it that plain. That's as plain as I can get it this morning. If you don't like the Jews, then you must love the government that Adolf Hitler had because he killed, what, three, five million, six million Jews. He killed them. Let me tell you one thing. Paul said, I'm a Jew also. Has God forsaken me? No, 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 no. But as it is written, all Israel shall be saved. It's the only nation on earth that has that promise, saints. It's the only nation on earth that has that problem. It is first coming. Excuse me for drinking so much. He was physically born of a woman in a stable in an actual land, Israel, in a real town in Bethlehem. And by the way, that little manger in Bethlehem was the first king-sized bed. That was the first king-sized bed. You may have one in your house that's Eight feet wide and I don't know how long or whatever. But the king-sized bed is 2,000 years old. As Christians, we believe his birth was divine, but we don't question the physical nature of his first coming. He is, he is so, let me get this little page right here that I wrote down some stuff on. He is so powerful, so wonderful this morning that it's hard for me to even grasp in my mind, my finite mind, how this thing works, how this is put together. But we're going to get some scripture here in a few minutes. While there are good and godly people that hold views probably different to what I'm preaching this morning, I believe these theological interpretations sometimes are disaster to the Christian faith. That may be a mouthful to swallow. But theology, theology is the study of the Bible and the knowledge of the Bible. And we can become so smart that we can overlook the simple parts of the Bible. I'm going just an inch further right here and hope that I don't get in too much trouble. But many people, including ministers and pastors as well, and I'm not picking out this church, I'm talking about worldwide. Many pastors, ministers, and whatever have educated themselves totally out of the plan of God. We have felt like that the greatest education we can get and all the degrees we can get, Brother Jesse, will make us a great preacher. It won't do it, will it? Well, say amen. Thank you. It's not going to do that. It's going to take having a little talk with Jesus and that makes it right. When you get through with all the clocks, Adam clocks, and, 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 and all of these things, and, and, and semin, you know, all these books and the seminars and all the places we can go to, throw them all over the corner and go back and pick up the Word of God and pick up the Spirit of God with it 
and let the Holy Ghost come down on the inside of you and begin to open the Scriptures up and explain to you exactly and explain to me exactly what's going on with this thing because there ain't no man got this answer. Excuse my grammar. There ain't no man got the answers to the biblical part of that book. And it's all biblical, really. It only comes through revelation from Him. It was written by men inspired of God and is interpreted or understood by people that are inspired by God. It's just that simple. You you can't figure it out any other way. The earth will be purged of all that has been, been defiled since the fall of Adam and Eve when He comes back. He will establish a literal 1,000-year kingdom upon the earth. He will rule the world from Jerusalem as king of Israel. During the 69 years of modern nationhood, the Gentile nations, with few exceptions, mainly America, have opposed Israel at almost every turn. The opposition to Israel isn't principally because of Israel's policies, but because Satan continues to greatly influence the Gentile nations in the world against her. Israel has very, very few friends in the nations of the world. Are you with me on that? They fight Israel on every hand. They don't like her. (laughs) There ain't a Muslim nation. There's not a Palestinian state. There's not any group of people, social, whatever, that can destroy this nation. They have tried and tried and tried. It's a little bitty nation sitting there that takes up no land space. What is it? About the size of New Jersey, something like that. Takes up no land space whatsoever on the planet. But its people in there have enough faith to believe that they're God's people. And they are. I've been there. I've walked among them. I've been to the soldiers' camps. I've talked with them. They say, we are God's people. They are God's people. They are God's people. But you see, there's something else in the Bible that brought us in that thing. You see, in one of the, in one of the scriptures in the Bible, it tells us that the, the Jews, the nation, rejected him, and he said, I will turn from you. Jesus said, I will turn from you, his own people, and give this program to a nation that will bring forth the fruits thereof. That's us. That's us. That's the Samaritan woman. That's all of us this morning because he turned to us. Now, I want a scripture. Uh, this, this bunch up here in the booth, they're great. They're great, aren't they? Give them a good hand. They're wonderful. I appreciate every one of them up there this morning, whether they're doing anything or not. Um, I've asked them to, to, to put up Romans, and I, I want this in King James, if you would, please. I, I'm not mad with anybody else. I just like this, what I got used to. In chapter 11, before, before we get to that verse, let me go back to the first verse of that same chapter. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid, for I, am, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin, now this is Paul talking. Now let's get on the scriptures up here. I say then, 
have they stumbled, talking about the Jews, that they should fall. God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Just keep going on through them. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, if you have any questions, I don't see how you could because this is as plain as a nose on your face, so you ought to be able to figure this out. Now if the fall of them, the Jews, be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. He just said he's a Jew, but he's an apostle to us. If by any means I might provoke emulation to them, which are my flesh, and might save some of them. Uh, for if the casting away of them be the reconciliation or reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit be holy, who's he talking about in the first fruit? If Israel be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. Don't lose us in there. And if some of the branches be broken off, who's he going to break off? Thank you, Brother Willie. You've got to say it loud. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, who's the wild olive tree? The Gentiles. All right, you're still with me. Were it grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root, and fatness of the olive tree. Now hold it right there just a second. Well, that's all right. You can put it up there. Grafting. Has anybody ever done any grafting in here on trees? You can graft, you can graft apples on apple trees. You can graft peaches to peach trees. But you can't cross them. It's got to be the same root system of that tree. I learned that from Arlene's brother-in-law because he was a big orchardist in, in Oregon. And he had tree stumps there that were just an old stump about this high, about this big around, and the stumps had nothing on them except just branches sticking out all the way around them. I said, Bill, what'd you do? Oh, I grafted in some yellow apples on this side and some red ones over here and, and different ones over here. You can graft in different kinds of apples, but it's got to be an apple tree. We could not have been grafted in to the real olive tree unless we are first a wild olive tree that came down through the ages. Well, two, two of you agree with me. Got you totally confused. All right, 18. Boast not against the branches, but if they are boast, they bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou will say then the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. If I had looked at God this morning in the, standing in the bathroom and said, Lord, I don't believe that stone's going to stop moving, I'd still be there suffering right now. I fully believe that. You say you're crazy. I know that. But that's okay. I got a new mind a few years ago. I got... Sister D, I talked to a man at an altar, and he took out the mind I had and put another one in. And there's some days I might question that one, but praise be to God this morning, I'm standing on a solid rock. Standing on a solid rock. Don't, don't boast because you're there because of unbelief. Unbelief is sin. 
God spared not the natural branches. Take heed lest he also spare not thee, huh? You mean he wouldn't spare his own people, but you think you're going to get grafted in and you got it locked in? Forget it. If we get that kind of feeling on us, he can cut us off like he cut them off. But that would be as individuals because the church is not going to be cut off. The church is predestinated to be grafted into this olive tree and produce. I'm not. As long as I'm in the church, yes. As long as I'm washed in the blood, yes. But I still stop at stoplights. Somebody said, oh, Lord's going to protect me. He's not going to take you to your time. Run a few red lights and see what happens. Don't tell me that, you know, he's not, going, he, he, he's not much of a cure for ignorance and, and whatever, stupidity. We're supposed to do some things ourselves and let him do the ones that are impossible for him. Oh, shut up, Wayne. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fail, severity, but toward thee, goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt also, also shalt be cut off. My, in this plain. And they also, if they abide not still in belief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to the nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? One more verse, I think it is. For I would not, brethren that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Thank you, gentlemen. And listen, some women up there doing this too. Israel is blinded so we can come in. If the root is destroyed, the branches die. That's very simple. You read that. The church will not come from all of that tree. The bride, that is. The bride is going to come from the branches. Huh? Don't look at me like this. The bride is made up of the Gentiles. I just told you he cut the Jews off and brought us in. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all those people won't be in the bride. Come on. Are y'all celebrating 2018 right now? Could anybody say amen? amen? They are not going to be in the bride. The Gentile church that's grafted into the olive tree is the bride of Christ. The trunk of the tree now hold on to your seats. The trunk of the tree that we're grafted into is God's wife. Huh? Israel is God's wife. In Jeremiah, the writer tells us, God tells us there, for I have married thee, Israel. I'm married to Israel. That's God the Father. He's got a wife. Isn't it amazing that Jesus... Jesus is going to get a bride out of his mother-in-law. Lord, 
Lord have mercy. Y'all would never come back again if you knew I was going to preach. You see, God is married to Israel, but out of that, out of that, Jesus comes out of that. Jesus comes out of that. And so he is going to get his bride then from the Gentile part, so the mother-in-law has got to tie into all of this. Israel. She is the root that's holding me up, you up. That's where we are getting our divine power, our divine sustenance from, is through Israel. We may as well admit it this morning and look out for it. Something happened in the news and that was coincidental. God knows it was. I didn't aim that when I had this. But something happened in the news this week that President Trump has done, or last week or whatever. And you know, some days I wish he'd quit tweeting so much, but I reckon that's the only way he can get his message out because there's three or four major networks won't print nothing he says and print it right. They, they got to turn everything around. But he did one thing and he stirred the world up. He probably didn't know it. I don't know whether he knows it or not. I, I, I don't, you know, have you ever done anything right and didn't aim to? Huh? Yeah, sometimes we do something right and don't even aim to do it, do we? He has declared that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. He is dead right on it, folks. Give the Lord a hand. Israel. Jew, the Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. That's where Jesus is coming back to. That's where he's coming back to out of the clouds of glory to set up an earthly kingdom and rule and reign for 1,000 years and the devil will be in the bottomless pit. He's got the thing all planned out. If Wayne Murphy could just get himself in line, you know, one of these days I'm going to rule and reign with him for 1,000 years on this earth. Jesus Christ is coming back again. Folks, let me tell you, we better lift up Israel in prayer. They are going to be inundated from nations from the north, from the south, from everywhere else before this thing is over with. But I'm going to tell you right now, there ain't nobody going to defeat them because they're God's people. They're his wife, and out of that our bride is coming. We are going to be the bride of Christ, and we are going to go together to that marriage supper of the Lamb. We'll be the bride, they'll be the guest. Huh? We'll be the bride, they'll be the guest. Somebody told me one time, I was talking to him about the church, telling him about how the bride of Christ was. He said, well, I don't kind of believe that stuff. If I'm not in the bride, I'll just be a guest. Eh, I don't think so. I want to be in right in the middle of that thing, Brother Ken. I want to be right in the middle of it. I, I, want, to, I want to be at that marriage supper. He's going to feed us. He's it. He's it. He's going to marry a Jewish, a Jewish husband. A Jewish husband is going to marry a Gentile wife. How close can you get? A Jewish husband will marry a Gentile wife. One reason I wanted to go over this this morning a little bit, you don't hear it preached anymore too much. But something, something like this is a time mark on history right now. We should take this as another tick on the clock 
because Jerusalem is that capital. Yes, they're going to be fought on it. Yes, this nation's totally against it. Every nation that's against it tells you which ones are right, the ones that are with them on this thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask something this morning, maybe in closing, that I've probably never done in my life. Um, this, nation, this nation needs all the support we can give it. I know you didn't come to hear the last message of the year like this or Sunday morning message. By the way, who's having service tonight? Better talk to somebody afterwards then because I was told somebody had been told. I'll ring Berkeley and do it. I think I think this morning that uh, as we gathered in here, it would be great if we could uh, there again have a special prayer for Israel and also for the ones that are supporting Israel. Ronald Reagan said when he was uh, sworn in as president, and I think it was his inaugural address, he said the United States can never forget Israel. He made that statement, and that's, I don't forget what years Ronald Reagan was president. It was been two or three years ago anyway. And uh, he was president then, and he said we can never forget Israel. At the time, there wasn't very much going on against them. Because they'd come through the 1948 Six Days War. They did more in, in six days than the United States could do in five or six years in Vietnam or North Korea, either one. Uh, yeah, there again, God, in one sense the word is on their side or they're on God's side. Uh, one, you know, Stuart Hamlin wrote a song one time and said, it is no secret what God can do as long as God is on your side. Uh, I said he's wrong in that I don't want him on my side. I want to be on his side. Sometimes my side's wrong, but I want to be on his side. If he's your co-pilot, you need to change seats. Uh, he needs to be the pilot. But we cannot forget this country. And we've gone through a few years of snubbing them off and totally just saying, no, we don't want anything to do with you. And you're troublemakers, and we're going to take these across the pond there, across the street from you that don't like you. We're going to put all of you together, and we're going to make you all a state. It, it's not going to happen. It can't work. There'll never be peace that way. So I, I know you didn't come for a history lesson this morning, but that's what you got anyway. And I just want you to lift up your heads, lift up our heads. I'm talking to Wayne. Lift up our heads for our redemption is closer than we think. It's closer than we think. I've asked Brother George to play a song this morning. When he plays, as he starts playing that song, if anybody in here is brave enough to do it, I want you to come up here and you just line up or whatever, maybe hold hands or just stand up here. And I want us then to have a good concert prayer for this nation. Uh, if you want to support them in that way, you say, uh, that's just a bunch of stuff. I want to let him know whose side I'm on. I want him to know whose side I'm on. And I'm on Israel's side, I'm on God's side, and I'm on Jesus Christ's side this morning because I want to be in that bride, and I know you do too. So as he plays this song, I want you to stand, uh, stand this morning. Um, maybe you can't all get up here, but if, if you can, you can go down the aisles or whatever. 
But I'd like to see, I'd like to see support for this nation. That God, God is getting ready.